Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Matthew 16. Let's open our Bibles. Come on, let's hear the beautiful sound of the Bibles turning. Matthew 16, but I'm excited to speak this morning on Heart for the House Sunday. This is a significant Sunday in the life of our church, and we're so blessed. Actually, before I read Matthew 16, I just wanted to remind everyone that next weekend is actually an amazing Sunday in our church because we're turning five. We're turning five as a church. And so um, five years to almost to the day we had our first worship gathering at the Pumpkin Church downtown. They let us in. They let a motley crew of Christ-like believers uh, to come on in and do a worship service. And so who was there, actually? Raise your hand. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So um, next week is going to be fun. We're going to be celebrating five years of the goodness of God um, in church. So we'll have some fun things here. And, um, you know, I'd love it if uh, we could invite people as well to to come and um, just be a part of the family. So Next weekend, five years, it's going to be awesome. All right, Matthew 16, I'm reading from the message. This is Peter's confession. Ultimately, what happens is there is a sense of confusion, a lack of clarity from the disciples, disciples giving different answers. And really what happens is Peter gives this clarifying statement, and we see it here in Matthew 16. I'm reading from verse 13. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. It'll be behind me. It says this, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he is John the baptizer. Some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Verse 15, he pressed them, well, how about you? Who do you say that I am? And I believe that's a question that Jesus asks every single person today. It's the same question. Who do you say that I am? Who are you? Who who am I to you? Who is Jesus to you? I believe this is that's one of the reasons it's in this Bible, our Bibles. Um, So he pressed them, and this look at Simon Peter's response. He said, "You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven. God himself let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. So he changes his name. And this is the moment he does. He says, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, the keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. He swore the disciples to secrecy. He made them promise they would tell no one that he was 
the Messiah. I want to preach a message today, Heart for the House Sunday. You can write the title down. This is the title, My Heart, His House. Come on, write it down, My Heart, His House. Let's pray right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word today. Father, thank you that your word always speaks life into people. Father, it always changes our lives, Father, when we read your word, when we lean our hearts into the word of God. Father, you do something. You speak, you say something, you, 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 um, you put some sort of imprint on our lives, Father, that we just can't shake, that we know you've done it. So Father, I pray that would be true right now. Father, as we read your word, that you would illuminate the scriptures. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here ministering to us. We're wide open, Holy Spirit, for you to work. We're wide open and ready for you to come in. We're wide open for you to come in and do what only you can do, which is transform our souls. So Father, we thank you for that, Lord. Father, we pray for our little army of colonial kids right now. As they're enjoying all in Sunday, God, we thank you that you're building them as well. Lord, you're speaking into their future. Father, they're being prophesied over as to their, the will that you have for them, God. So, Father, we thank you for colonial kids in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. 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 My heart, his house. This is a significant Sunday. If you're new to our church, you're like, what is heart for the house Sunday? Well, I mean, it is kind of self-explanatory, but it also isn't. So I'm going to speak about it this morning. This message is geared towards heart for the house Sunday, but what's the significance of a house? God's house. What's the significance of God's house? The local church, because that's what God's house is. It's the local church. The local church. Well, it's actually extremely significant. It's not just a building, it's a group of people, it's a body of believers. But the local church, God's house, listen to me, friend, is significant for this reason because it is God's chosen mechanism to reach the world for eternity. I'm gonna say that again because it's very important that you understand that if you don't know this already, that this is God's chosen mechanism to reach the world for the gospel and for eternity. That's the purpose of the church. That's why the church is significant. Significant. The church has always been consistent through the ages and forever a signpost of the grace of God. A signpost for the grace of God and a glimpse of eternity. I believe that this morning what we experienced in worship is a glimpse of eternity. I got three amens to that. I'm gonna need at least 15. I believe what we experienced this morning in worship, Holy Spirit here, drawing us close to the Father, singing songs to the glory of God, dedicating our lives all over again to his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his favor is a glimpse of heaven. It's a glimpse of heaven. That's why the church is significant. That's why it matters, the church, the house of God, you know. It's not just a good idea, it's a God idea. It wasn't as though Jill and I just woke up and in our quiet time over coffee with our Bibles on our laps, we were like, you know what would be cool is if we kind of created a church. I would love to take that credit, but here's the deal. It's God's idea. It's, it's not just a good idea. It's a God idea. That's the house of God. So why heart for the house? What is it? What's it about? What's the point? Well, it's actually really significant that we do this every single year. It's our once a year on one weekend, one Sunday of each year, we take up a free will offering, a miracle offering over and above what we normally tithe as a church, and we give into the house. Our heart goes into the house 
through our treasure, through our sacrifice, through our gifts to God. Because it's, heart, it's having a heart for God's house because God decided he would have a house. He decided it. But why would we give? Why would we sacrifice? Why would we believe together to build the house of God, the church? Well, it's simply this, because we are the church. If you're not committed to building the the church, you're just not committed to building yourself. If we are the body, that's you, that's me. I don't know about you, but I want to see the future. I wanna see what God has. I wanna see the future of what God is doing in our city, in our world. That's why we have Heart for the House Sunday. The house has always been, God's house has always and forever will be his idea. See, God, he loves his house. He loves his dwelling place and he loves to commune with us. Do you know that? He, he just loves spending time with you. Like you should never approach time with God as just like this, oh man, I feel bad because I haven't hung out with God and it's gonna be weird, you know, it's gonna be awkward. This is how some people... Some people think about God. They think, oh, it's just gonna be kind of super weird. I'm gonna get this over this awkward sort of first five minutes and then we're good, you know? It's not like that because that's how people are. God's not like that. God just can't wait to spend time with you. He just loves to spend time with you. He just loves it when you commune with him in his house and also in every area of your life. In Genesis 28, this is an instance we see something just like that. Jacob awakes from a dream and he remarks at the house of God, the dwelling place of God. Look at it in Genesis 28 and verse 16. It says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place after his dream. And he said, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And look at it, here it is. And this is the gate of heaven. There it is, glimpse of heaven, right there. And I believe we're building a church and I pray our church would be like a Genesis 28 church where every single Sunday in worship we could say, oh my goodness, how awesome is this place? This surely is where God is, his house, the gate of heaven. I love it. And then the Psalmist David wrote about the goodness of his house in Psalm 27. He's on the, he's displaced, he's away from Jerusalem and talks about it and look at what he says. He says, one thing I have asked of the Lord. I wonder if this would be your one thing. I wonder if this would be my one thing. That I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. All the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Listen to it in the message. It says, I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty, I'll study at his feet. So with Jacob and then David, and then obviously from the house of David, from the line of David, Jesus in Luke 2. Luke 2, the age of 12, happens to stay at the temple. His parents go um, on their way back. And could you imagine losing a kid? I mean, I have three kids now. My wife would kill me. If I left, my, I just have this picture of leaving my kids like at Marshalls or something and just getting home and just being like, where's Charlie? I would break every speed record down 312 back to Marshalls. 
But in Luke 2, this is sort of the situation, in a sense, of what's happening. But listen to Jesus' response to his earthly parents. This is what he says. Why were you searching for me? He asks. This is verse 49. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I had to be in my father's house. I want to prophesy over some young people today. I want to prophesy over you. The best place you can be is in the house of God. There might be seasons of struggle and seasons of tension and seasons of like, oh, I don't feel like it, but can I just encourage you? Just like Jesus said, you just need to be in the house of God. You just need to have that spirit and that attitude that oh, if I could just get to God's house, everything will be better. If I could just get there and dwell in his house. There's just something about the house of God. So this is, this is my heart for the house, okay? So what I thought I would do for the three points today, I'll give you my heart for the house. Is that okay? From the horse's mouth. That's such a weird saying. Why do people say that? But these are my reasons. Call these my convictions that I believe you can have and you should have and we can all have together. Faith declarations, but these are my reasons, my heart for the house. Here we go, number one, you ready? Number one, my heart is for the house because Jesus died for it. My heart is for this house because Jesus died for it. Jesus gave his life so the church would be born. Jesus gave his life. Look at Matthew 16, back to our text. It says, this is the rock on which I will build my church. If God wills it, no man can stop it. If God wills it, no culture can destroy it. No government can shift it. If God wills it, nothing can stop it from happening. No denominational split is ever going to make diddly squat of a difference when it comes to the will of God and his church. Because Jesus said, I will build it. See, this was when he said this, this was pre-church. There wasn't a New Testament church. We see the Acts of the Apostles, which by the way, is still continuing today. We are part of the book of Acts. It's still going. But we see the church that is born and built and continues to be built. This is why we can have a heart for the house because our Lord and Savior, he gave his life for the church so it could be born into existence so we could become part of the body of Christ. See, Jesus is the head of the church. You know, our church, like Jill and I, we lead our church, but Jesus is actually the head of our church. Very important to understand. It's not a pastor or some televangelist that runs anything. Jesus is the head of the church. And I don't know about you, but I actually love that because it takes all the pressure off me. It takes all the pressure off me. Trust me, when I pray sometimes, and there have been plenty of times over the course of five years, I've had some moments with the Lord, and it's like, hey, remember this was your idea. My brother-in-law's on the front row. We've had some moments where I've told him and reminded him, hey, this was not my idea. This was God's idea. I just happened to be a part of it. But my heart is for the house because Jesus died for all of this to take place. Sometimes we can become so chill with church where it's just like, ah, oh, church, this, church, that. Yeah, I might go, might not go or whatever. How did we get here? How did we get here to this place? Because Jesus died 
for all of this. Jesus died for it all to become a reality. It's his idea. He's the, he's the head of the church. You know, the church is the greatest organization on the planet. I've said this before, and I will forever say it. There are some great organizations on the planet, but there's nothing like the church. This is why. It's because Jesus runs the church. King Jesus sits above the church. He's in charge. He's the leader. It's not a pastor. It's not a bishop. It's not some televangelist. Jesus is the head of the body, and the body of Christ is the church, but he's the head. See, I'm for this house because Jesus died for this house. He died for Colonial. He died so that Colonial Church could exist, could become a body, so it could be a place for lost people to come home. See, Jesus died for that to take place. And I don't wanna get so familiar with my church life that I forget how awesome this is, how amazing it is to walk in those doors like Jacob said and be like, oh my gosh, how awesome is this place. This surely is the house of God, the gate of heaven. Can I get an amen, amen. this morning? Ephesians 5. Paul, talking to the church in Ephesus, he uses this parallel between marriage and the church. But he says, his husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, that's how much Jesus loves our church. This is how much Jesus loves the church. He gave his life for it. In Matthew 20 and verse 25, I won't read the whole thing, but this is the, the bit where he talks about lowering yourself to become a servant and then he identifies himself with that statement. He says this, even as the son of man has come not to be served, but to serve, look at it, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Who's the many? Who's the many? It's you and it's me and it's the people of our city, it's the people of our county, it's the 250,000 people of our county that is expected to double in the next 10 years, it's those people, they are the many, this is why we need the church, this is why the church exists, why? Because Jesus died for the church, so the church could go forward, so the Holy Spirit could fill it, power it up in Jesus' name. I'd love it if you could write this down, come on, write it down, you can't follow Jesus and not love his church. You can't follow Jesus and not love his church. You cannot have the head without the body. And you can't have the body without the head. Either way, it's lifeless. You can't follow Jesus and not be all about the local church. There have been seasons in Jill and I's life where we've moved around. Some of you know our story, Sydney, Atlanta, New York, Florida, back to the promised land where the golf courses are good. But you know, there's been one consistent in, in our marriage and our life, the local church. Every Sunday, man, I just, how could I not be in God's house? How could I treat it so casually? And I, I've had to repent of times where I've treated God's church so casually. I remember one time I missed a Good Friday service in the early years of my Christianity. I remember it just didn't go. I just didn't go. I was actually, I was at the cafe, just reading the paper and probably about to go for a surf. And I remember my friend Joel just showed up and he just come from church. He sat down and he was just like, bro, where were you today? And I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> try to make something up. Should have just said I was sick. I would have got off the hook easy. <laughs> but 
But he just said this, and it'll never leave me. He said, bro, it's Good Friday. Like, this is the day. This is the day where you, you can't, like, are you serious? And he kind of just got up and walked away. And to him, it was probably like nothing. It was probably him just like, you know, giving me a good old kick. But it never left me. And God spoke to me through him. He said, don't treat my church casually. This is Good Friday. Jesus died for this. It's too important. It means too much to Jesus. You can't follow Jesus and not love the church. So Jesus is the head. We are the body. He died for it all because we've all got a part to play now. We all have a part to play. It means then you now have a part to play. This is why we can't treat this casually because you now have a role. You're part of the family of God. It's called the household of faith. And let me just make it real simple. You've got jobs to do around the house. Did anyone else have jobs to do around the house when you were a kid? Like I had jobs to do and it frustrated me. I had to clean dad's car and he had like really, really like, like intricate alloys on his, on his car and they, were, they it would just get, would get so dirty. Like I just was like, why couldn't you just get a simpler alloy? It would have been so much more easy for me to clean. But I had to clean his car. I had to polish his boots. I had to, I was a dishwasher kid. You know, I had jobs to do. And I'm painting in a negative way, but in the household of faith, man, we have, we have a role. We have things we get to do. That's why we're called to have, like, like it says in Matthew 16, let me read it to you again. It talks about us having access, keys to the kingdom, full and open access, able to go in, be a part of everything that's happening. That's why we need you here. That's why we need you here in, planted in the house of God. Why? Because you're gonna welcome people into the household of faith. You're gonna show them where to go. You're gonna show them how things work. You can't follow Jesus and not love his church. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Romans 12 and verse 4 says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members uh, do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So ultimately, my heart is for this house because Jesus died for the house. Number two, my heart is for this house because God is here. This isn't like a lifeless shell. This isn't like just like skeleton and it's just kind of like there's nothing else here. You know, there is the church and the church, you know, there's a building, but then when the people come in, God shows up. See, Jesus is the body, the church, the community of believers, but this is where God chooses to dwell. You know, God has preferences. He has likes and dislikes. We live in a culture of likes and dislikes right now. This is our culture, but God has likes and dislikes. He dislikes sin. He dislikes rebellion. He dislikes pride. There are things that God dislikes, and as you come into the household of faith and the family and the church, you're gonna learn what God doesn't like. And the thing is, if you love God, you wanna please God, you figure out how to please Him and do the things that He likes, not the things that He dislikes. That's called maturity. It's called growing in the house of God. But He's got His likes. Let me show you what some of the likes are. He likes it when we sing. This is what God likes. He likes it when we pray. He likes it when we're generous with our lives. He likes it when we're in his house. 
You know, nothing that pleases God more than listening to his kids, having a good time in his house. What father wouldn't love that? What father wouldn't love that? But this is also where God chooses, this is his preference, this is his like, to show up in corporate settings of worship. If you think about it, all through the Bible, we read about it, God shows up in corporate settings of worship. Uh, Jesus confirms it for us. Matthew 18 and verse 20 says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There I am in the midst. This is also where the Holy Spirit shows up and breathes. Breathes life, breathes a word and brings breakthrough and brings revelation. This is why I have a heart for the house because this is where I come and I get to feel the Holy Spirit move every single week. Every single week at some point in every single worship set, there is a liftoff moment. You know what that liftoff moment is? The Holy Spirit. And He's awesome. And I'm down here every week and I'm praying like crazy that the Holy Spirit would show up and move. That's why I have a heart for the house because I know when we're here gathered in the name of Jesus, God is here. God is everywhere, but God is definitely here as well. Can I get an amen? Anyone grateful for that? When worship happens in our church, you know, worship changes everything. We'll always have worship in our church. If you're ever wondering, like, will we ever morph into a church that sort of just doesn't sing, doesn't, like, go for it, that will never happen, okay? It will just never happen. Because the point of worship at church is because the, the whole idea is that it would cost you something. When Abraham took Isaac up to that, the mountain he was about to sacrifice, this is what he said to his servants. He said, you stay here, we're gonna go worship. He said, me and the boy are gonna go and worship. What was he talking about? He's talking about sacrifice. That's why when it comes to worship, listen to me, friend, it should cost you something. It should be a moment in worship where it just costs you something. And there might be, you might be just lifting up your hands to God. Just lifting up your hands. And can I just encourage you, it's not some happy, clappy church thing. It's actually in the Bible. Can I show it to you? Psalm 134, so glad you asked. Verse one says, praise the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of God, we're all ministers. Verse two, look at it. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. See, the point of worship is it'll cost you something. And maybe today for you, like I just said, the cost is for you just to throw away maybe the pride or maybe the thought, oh, I wonder if someone's looking at me. I wonder if someone's judging me. I wonder if someone's thinking I'm weird. And maybe the moment and the cost for you is just to simply raise up your hands to God and, and surrender to Him and say, Lord, I just love you. My hands are raised. Adoration, praise, fully open, surrendered, willing to receive from you. See, my heart is for this house because God dwells here. God shows up here. This is His house. It's His choice. He chose to make it this way. So my heart is for the house because Jesus ultimately died for it. My heart is for this house because Jesus dwells here. And number three, my heart is for this house because this house first had a heart for me. Long before I ever walked in the doors of a church, there was a church that cared about me. I believe if you get this revelation, 
It will change the way you look at church, the way you approach church, the way you treat church for the rest of your days. Because I have a heart for this house because this house had a heart for me well before I even needed it, well before I needed church. There were people that knew how important it was to build something for me even though they didn't know me. See, the, first, the house first had a heart for me. 2002, January of 2002, I wandered into a church just like this. I was broken, I was tired, I was grieving, I was struggling, I was on the wrong end of every trade. Destitute, no hope in my life, and I wandered into a church just like this. But there was a group of people that knew that eventually I would be coming. There was a group of people that knew that they needed to do something. They needed to build a house of God, the collective house of God. They decided that they would build the church. They, just, they decided that they would endure through the struggle of building a church because building a church is not easy. Building a church takes something out of you. Building a church takes gifts and talents from everyone. It takes sacrifice. And there was a group of people that endured through, that laid a foundation, that desi uh, decided to build a house of God and they had the, the enough foresight to understand there would be a person like me that would walk in the doors and say yes to Jesus and life would be completely changed. Amen. See, my heart is for this house because there are people out there that need this house. There are people out there that need church, that need the gospel, that need to understand there's a God in heaven that loves them, that is ready to receive them, that is ready to take them just as they are. Let's not be the type of church ever that make it like, oh, you've got to be perfect before you can come to our church. Please, we can never be like that. God will always bless our church if we preach the gospel and we reach the lost. God will always bless our house because this house is meant to be for people who are lost. See, my heart is for this house because this house first had a heart for me. What am I talking about? I'm talking about building a church, this heart for the house Sunday, that would be such a church that would realize that there are people coming. There are people coming. And before you even came, there were people that said, there are people coming. And before them, there were people that said, there are people coming. And there are people before them that said, you know what, we need to build the house of God. We need to sacrifice. We need to make stuff. We need to make a way. Because there are people coming. My heart is for this house because I believe that we as a church are the type of church that say, Lord, we're gonna build it because you wanna send people our way. So here's what we're gonna do. Just before we give this Heart for the House Sunday, like I said, this is a free will offering over and above. I would love it if we could just take a moment and just watch. everything that's going on in the world and around us, like, we just need, um, we need a sanctuary, you know, a place of refuge, a place where we feel safe to be with our family, to express our beliefs, where we're not judged. Um, and we found that here. I knew Colonial was home, honestly, the day I got baptized. Before then, in being in St. Augustine, I came to church and I did call it home, but I never really had that sense of community and I just built friendship from that day. I still remember the date I wrote it down on the card that said, I have decided to follow Jesus. 
Um, it was August 26, 2018. And from that day on, I've noticed like a lot of genuine people, a lot of genuine character that just really cared about me and wanted to see the Holy Spirit grow and change me and work in my life. So it's been awesome. Before Colonial, like, like I always knew like God, but like my relationship just really wasn't there. So just being in Colonial, like I've grown so much and it's just, I've made so many good friends here, like people who I could do life with. Um, and just, I carry it out throughout my everyday life now, you know, it's just like, it's my life, you know. I think it's hard for us to say what all has changed for us because literally everything has changed. So the way that we communicate in our home, the way I communicate with my husband, with Tanner, um, the way that we view our quiet times, worship, the way we view community. Um, for me personally, I went from being the person that prayed all the time but never read scripture to that being a priority every day in my life. Um, I feel like we went from having God as a fallback plan to having God as the forefront of every part of our life. So free will is a tricky thing. You know, we, we, we have the option to give or not give. And it's that uh, every Sunday, um, every heart of the house uh, that we have the opportunity to do that is exercising free will in a way that I think, you know, our Savior smiles down upon us for doing it. It's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Here's the truth is in five years time from now, we'll probably do another video like that. It'll be people that show up from this day forward that are in that video. You get me? Hear what I'm saying? So it's really our choice today is we have a heart for the house to build what God is doing. Over and above, and you know the vision initiatives that we outlined at Vision Sunday, and there is so much amazing ahead of us as a church. So much, like I feel honestly, church, like we've not even really begun. Like we've just started. God has already blessed us so much. But I believe if we have that heart to sacrifice and to build, to believe and partner with God, to see many people come, I'm believing for hundreds and hundreds, I'm believing for thousands of people, thousands, tens of thousands to get saved, to make decisions for Christ, to, to tell stories just like that, to say this was the day, name the date, say oh, everything changed. I love that testimony, it's just like my whole life's changed. Why has it changed? It's changed because people decided that they would have a heart for the house of God. They would have a heart to build God's house. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.